Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning, everyone. And welcome to another edition of Still Growing in Grace. I hope uh, you got your coffee ready, uh, depending where you are. Um, a quick hello to Sandra in the UK. I see you're the first one that commented. Hopefully volume's working fine. Um, I had a weird glitch just as I was getting started, and I thought, that's, that's odd. Well, hopefully everything's fine, and hopefully I'm live. So I had a uh, uh, kind of exciting news today. This is episode 100. Um, there were some other ones that were done that uh, never made it into our, our weekly program, but because uh, I aired it elsewhere. But this is officially the 100th episode of Still Growing in Grace, which is kind of cool. So I've been doing this for a couple of years now. I think two and a half because I didn't do it every week all the time. But um, it's become a wonderful routine and I've really, really enjoyed it. Now, given the episode 100, um, the topic we're going to deal with today is kind of appropriate because I don't know about you but I've I've had some struggles with um, the journey of growing uh, in grace struggles with friends growing in grace and and all that stuff so this conversation is just about that how are we growing and since my program is called still growing in grace what does that mean what about those that are deconstructing um, <coughs> I know some folks <coughs> pardon me some folks don't like the word deconstruction, but it's it's a word. It works. Um, a lot of people are 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 learning that, and I think in this, if it isn't in today's program, it will be in next week's program. Uh, that uh, uh, the point is, deconstruction is basically discipleship. It's all it is. You're learning and growing, and unlearning and growing. It's it's just another word of uh, probably a more intense um, indoctrination uh, or becoming undoctrinated from faulty doctrines, if you want to call it that. Um, and some people just replace um, their old uh, commitments with brand new ones. And it's really, there isn't a big change. It's just their intensity just switches focus. And my hope is that Christ stays the focus, that we unlearn the stuff that keeps our eyes off of Christ. And so... Uh, let's just dive in. This is this is one of my favorites now, and I'll be watching with you. Um, uh, thanks for the volume update there, Sandra. Awesome, good. Um, I'm, I'm watching with you, and I got a couple notes I'm taking. I already took a few uh, just from the first two minutes of that. Oh, my goodness. So we'll come back and do a follow-up when this uh, conversation is done. But welcome to episode 100, The Pendulum Swings of Growing in Grace, part one. Here we go. All right, so uh, this is going to be a, a very unique conversation today, uh, something that's more unscripted, and it's very, all unscripted. It's all unscripted. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes this fun, right? Yeah. Um, but I kind of asked the guys, hey, what's, what's kind of heavy on your heart? What's a theme? And I was expecting, well, we're talking about transubstantiation and, you know, that kind of stuff. Who's, who, who thinks about that? But that's not what happened. And when Bill mentioned stuff that was kind of hitting his heart, I went, oh, man, yeah, I, I've been seeing that for a while. So, Bill, why don't you begin? And then, Richard, you can jump in right after and just kind of explain some of the burden of your heart. I think it's a better way to put it. Something that's burdening your heart. Yeah. Okay. That's heavy. It, it, there, there, this is the one area that I see right now. And I was, I was kind of ex describing it to Mike right before we went to more of a live session here and um, you know, to rearticulate it, I, I do feel like I'm a unique individual right now and, and I'm not alone. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm alone, but it feels. Well, you're unique. <laughs> <laughs> and um that that right now for me and i would i, I i'm guessing you two are, are are there with me in fact i know you are but um i really feel like i'm on this interesting little island trap between continents 
um, where, you know, for the most part, I, I struggle to feel like I'm a citizen or, or a person who belongs in this continent of Western evangelical institutionalized mm. Christianity, right? And, and I, don't, I don't fit there anymore. I, I, I struggle to find peace among those people. I love those people. I think a lot of them are, are still working and processing through it, but I don't fit inside that that box, that mold anymore. And, you know, I, I said to Mike, I felt like for the last decade or maybe even a little more than a decade, there's been this really positive energy with many people um, growing in grace and, you know, uh, learning to dismantle some of that systematic religion, theology, and, and found themselves really inspired and, and driven by a, a Christ-centered kind of message of understanding. But, but to a large degree, it feels like a lot of that same group who we've traveled with has jumped to a new continent of, of what I may, maybe define more secularism, where we, we've really taken Jesus off the table. Jesus was not who we claim him to be, the son of the living God, the savior of the cosmos, um, part of the Trinity, some of those foundational things that I still hold very closely in my own understanding of things. And they've really gone into much more of a, an individualistic, that's a good word, individualistic understanding of theology. And really it's, it's kind of universalism. It's, it's, it's kind of a blend of many things. I've kind of somewhat labeled it neology um, because it's very self-actualizing and I, I just can't go there either. And so I feel alienated, like they've kind of gone somewhere that I, I'm not, I'm not planning or, and, 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 uh, and even really have any desire to go. In fact, I kind of feel like it's another, you know, congested cultural religious thing that's just labeled something new. And there's a lot of judgment over there as well. So I'm kind of stuck in between. Is it like a pendulum that goes back and forth, except it's not a pendulum left and right. It's a dangling thing. That's got a whole bunch of sways from all over and people are just, swinging from one chandelier to the next and yeah. that i don't know i'm just asking yeah and i and you know and it's interesting and, and i'm not trying to get there's nothing so much of it's tied not only to religion but i think everyone not everyone there is a there we live in an age and a time where i think the ability to question and get alternatives has never been more accessible to the individual <laughs> and we're so uh, we're becoming a whole new culture of information saturation. And sometimes we, we take it all in and we're not taking the contemplative time to digest what we're, what we're being fed. And we mm -hmm. kind of just jump on to whatever's next. And I see a lot of that, at least in my opinion. Um, and and to, to, to slowly progress through this is, is not necessarily um, something that's encouraged right now. Like, so I can get to the finish line as fast as I can. At least that's again how I'm seeing things. For a lot of a lot of people who are starting to question maybe one aspect, then they start to question everything they've ever believed yep. on every level, not just just faith. I, if I can say one more thing before Richard jumps yeah. in, sorry. Uh, I, I I watched a long video today of two doctors talking about the pandemic and the misconceptions of messaging. Messaging has been one of the worst problems in during this entire pandemic, and so. What I heard today was really powerful. I thought, ooh, this could be just like in the Christian world when it's not safe to question anymore, when you're shamed for your question. And it feels like some people who have grown in grace, gone deeper, but had a weird pendulum swing, and now they're not allowing you to question because that's just, it's, it's like shame. It's like, what? You're not there yet? And it's like this, this, creating a greater distance between relationships and thought. And I don't know how to name it. I hopefully, hopefully Richard can interpret both of us. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that's Bring kind it of over. Just us all together. <laughs> yeah. So the people, so in pandemic time, people that are questioning the, uh, the details of the vaccines, there's nothing wrong with asking those, those questions. It's when they're shamed for asking them. And now they're pushed back into corners. It creates a, a world of headaches to, um, and pushes creates, you into different corners. Anxiety. Yeah, it creates yeah. all those anti-fruits of the spirit, yep. right? Same yeah. thing in growing in grace. 
agree. All right. What'd you hear, Richard? <laughs> well, I guess <clears throat> the danger can be with questioning, though, that if we're not careful, questioning can itself become our God. Yeah. We, we can become addicted to it to where we start freebasing it. And then we become what I think scripture calls naysayers mm. and naysaying. Well, it doesn't, it'll never get there and it won't let you get there. Mm. You know, one of the, one of the things that said, I think it's about the Sadducees. Jesus said about the Sadducees or the lawyers or whatever. Oh, you know, those, those guys, uh, it said something to the effect of, uh, you know, you stand at the gateway of truth. You, you won't let the people go in. You don't go in yourself and you won't let others go in. Mm-hmm. And I think that naysaying, uh, and now there's different things. This is big. This topic is really big because there's so many fluid dynamics that are, you know, kind of a, there's sort of a protean aspect of just, you know, like an amoeba type of thing that just kind of moves on this thing. Squeeze and it on this and it blows up on that end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really, you, you, that, that's why I think the number one thing that, uh, and, and, I, and I think we would all fit this, the three of us, is that as we've deconstructed, we've really used the nature of Jesus to deconstruct. Mm. That's He's been our guide, but he's not the guide for a lot of these progressives. A lot of these progressives, their guide is just their own dislike of religion, which, you know. And is, hurt. <clears throat> and hurt, yes. And, but also their own wrath, you know, because to exchange one form of wrath for another I see a lot of wrath in progressives that belittle people's humanity, belittle, you know, their faith, scoffs at it, curses at it. And, um, and it's, you know, we're, we're largely still sick puppies down here. I think, you know, (laughs) I'm just being honest for a number of reasons. Um, but I think that the healthy form of deconstruction, um, and you know, you Bill called it, uh, meology, uh, meology. Uh, I, what was it? Meology. Yeah. Yes, I think. Okay. But 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 see, I like to call it big big uh, uh, meism. Hmm. You know, there there's a concept of theism, and I got that from a from somebody that that uh, has has walked that way. He proudly calls it that. He calls it meism instead of theism, because it's not about God; it's about me, and it's about wow. me being God and being and right. See, yeah, and, and being right and being your own authority. And of course, we do have our own. The only one that has the authority to to hear God and to be led by the Spirit, the only one who has authority is us. For that, I agree with that. But we're not we're not our own authority. You know, it, it's the authority that we're subjecting ourselves to. And I and I think the place to start on this that this will heal us because it's the. But look at it this way: Bill said that there were two extremes. There's the extreme of a. Uh, of meism, and then there's the extreme of how institutional Christianity is largely lifeless, or hollow, or shallow, or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and hive minds working in there. There's hive minds on both sides of the aisles that are trying to keep us out of any sort of organic thinking and spiritual thinking. But this, but but it's the nature of Jesus that protects us from both. You know what drove us out of systematic institutional Christianity was the nature of Jesus. That's right. Because we sit there and say, this ain't Jesus. You know, I, I don't see Jesus's power. I don't see his tenderness. I don't see his love. I don't see his refusal to bend the knee to, 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 to other men, you know, to other, I, you know, to, to systems and to things like that. But it's also the nature of Jesus that saves us from the other extreme. So, and then I think these are the most important passages to test ourselves on. And I know you both have heard these, but they're Colossians 1. 15 through 20. And uh, this, your Bible will normally say over this, it'll call this the preeminence of Christ. And uh, let me read it to you. He is what, the what are they again. See him again. Uh, Colossians is, what? Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Okay. You, can you pull it? Can you pull that up? Mm-hmm. Now it's probably a different version. What version but, uh, you got? Uh, well, I don't care. I got ESV. Oh, you're one of them. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead and read it. (laughs) Okay. He, referring to Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things cohere. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What an incredible passage that not, I, I read it now. I got goose pimples all over me, mm. you know, that, that, that what th this whole thing is allowing Jesus to reconcile all these things that we're talking about, to reconcile the things that the, these hive minds away from these thrones and powers that are, you know, limiting people and, and uh, impoverishing them and, and debilitating them, but also to deliver us from this, not from this, self-love and this self-idolatry and this self-worship it's it's there jesus is the fixer he is the great fixer but I, I always test you know theology anybody's theology by what does this say about the preeminent of christ you know if i deconstruct but i feel farther away but if i mark push jesus to the margin and make him more and more irrelevant and yet i've deconstructed from religion what have i done i've just exchanged one system one throne one one fallen throne, one fallen power structure for another. But if where we go, and that's why I love seeing Bill give the meism, I love him tweaking its nose and, you know, uh, uh, gently spitting in its eye. You know, he's, he's calling it out because he's letting the nature of Jesus lead him in his deconstruction and try to call others back to this, to this golden, you know, the Greeks had that term, the golden mean. You know, the, this is where this is where it is. This is the highway to heaven. You know, the what is it, the pilgrim's progress, the, you know, the, the, the highway to heaven, you know, the Lord's highway. You know, this this is where we walk. This is where we're safe. And there's there's, you know, uh, I love that Bunyan talked about the dark powers being sort of like two lions that are chained on either side of the road mm. on the pilgrim's highway, on the Lord's highway. And as long as we stay in the highway, we're but there's some slack in the chain and they can get to the edge of the road, but they can't get over the edge. So I, I love that metaphor, you know, that, that using Jesus to not and see when we marginalize Jesus, what do we do? We get off the side of the road and we're able to get attacked by these powers in ways we could we can't even perceive at first. And then when we do perceive them, it's astonishingly bewildering, you know, and hurtful. So. All this by way of saying that it, it is the nature of Jesus, I think, that has to be our guide. He is, you know, just like he was the Emmaus guy telling those disciples where he was in the Old Testament. He will be our guide. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit is to be our guide, to be the ones uh, that he might be preeminent in all things. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. So I can spot somebody. It doesn't even really matter where you're at. What matters is that the trajectory you're on to making Christ preeminent in, in your life. Where are you on in that journey? And I, I'm beginning to think some people can do it, can make him more preeminent in the institution that they get that than some others can in progressivism. That's scary but, to see. Oh my goodness. Right. But why not? But why not instead? Why not take the best of both worlds? Because it's Christ who called us out. You know, I know y'all probably heard this in, bi in uh, Sunday school, but in Sunday school, they used to talk about, you know, uh, yeah, uh, they had to get um, uh, the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. But then in the wilderness, they had to get the Egypt out of the Israelites. You know, so it's not enough to deconstruct out of Egypt. Then you got to deconstruct in your wilderness. And that's what we're all in. And, you know, don't you think, don't y'all think, I mean, it feels like a wilderness. And, but that this is where we get Egypt out of us. And that's this, this other thing, these things that Bill are talking about, that it's that toxic stuff that will keep us wandering in circles of the dry desert. And I don't want to live in the desert. You know, they could have gone straight on into the promised land. Right. You, you know, but they languished for 40 years and there's no need for us to languish. And uh, Paul said those things were written about them. So we won't make the same mistakes. You know, so I think everything is happening just as it should in the sense of these movements that are going on. Our, what we bring to the table is our resolve and our, our faith and our meekness to make Jesus preeminent and let that be our, our ruling guide. And if it's not consistent with the nature of Jesus, then we know that we've mm -hmm. stepped away. So that's the way I judge any of this stuff that we hear and that these troubling things. And I, don't, I could care less about the new age and progressivism as concepts on their own. 
I only care about them to the extent of whether the extent that I see them uh, bring Jesus to the core, mm -hmm. to, to the center of the page. Does this centralize Jesus or does it marginalize him? So it, anyway, that's well, basically it's like you said, that that was the very thing that pulled me out of Western evangelicalism, because Jesus wasn't the center of the faith. In fact, and in my opinion, we don't have to belabor this because we've talked about it. The Bible was the center of the faith, at least as I grew up. Right. <laughs> my mic is going, oh, I saw your face. Mike. And the Bible was the center. The Bible was the authority, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And, you know, I had to elevate Jesus to a place of authority above the scriptures and all of a sudden things came alive and you're absolutely right one of i think and and this is the word i'm going to use the biggest consequences of this other aspect and and i want to clarify that that a lot of these ultra progressives for lack of a better word the the, the you know the myths or the meology uh, group um, they use the story of jesus very very much inside of their messaging saying that you're just like Jesus and you can be just like Jesus. And basically Jesus was just a hyper and enlightened person, but he wasn't really any different than anybody else in the sense that, you know, he was the exact representation of God or that he was the reconciler of the cosmos or any of these other things that we might agree upon. He, they've kind of pacified that and kind of, they buried that and they just want to go to look, Jesus could walk on Mount water and do miracles because he had a heightened, heightened sense of align, uh, enlightenment that you can have too. I think the challenge with that, and if you just if you just believe in yourself enough, then you can attain that same level of, you know, harmony with the vibrations of the earth and all these other things. And I don't want to take away from the fact that some of this stuff is true, but at the same token, the consequence, as I see it, I'm going to the Bill Thrasher opinion, is that we lose a reference point. Now things like love, now things like grace, now things like mercy, justice, they no longer are about how Jesus revealed those things. They're about how I believe those things. Hmm. Big difference. Huge difference. And here's the, here's the point that I think is, is the most critical. For many of our friends, and I think all three of us have people we genuinely like, we've genuinely been aligned with, that we've seen kind of maybe jump into this camp. And their understandings of love, mercy, grace, justice are very much like Jesus because they walked across the Jesus path in their deconstruction from fundamentalism into this new place. But they're appealing to other people who may not be walking that path, right? They may be appealing to someone who's never gotten the Jesus message. And they say, hey, love is whatever you believe in your heart. They're bypassing source. Absolutely. Yes. And source now just becomes you. Or the, or the uh, universe. Yeah. Whatever it is. But if your understanding isn't cruciform, and what I mean by cruciform, in the image of Christ crucified as that kind of access point of reference for love, then love to you becomes anything you want it to be. And if it's perverted, then you're reinforcing that perversion as the truth to you because you are God and you can believe whatever you want. And it becomes very dangerous, not for the one necessarily teaching who may have come through Christ-like understanding of love, but for the message to another who doesn't have that reference. Now this becomes extremely dangerous of reinforcing something that we define as love that's anything but. And that's where Tina Turner comes in. <laughs> what's, what's love got to do with it? You know, what's love got to do with it, right? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I see that just absolutely grieves my soul. It really does because the teaching of this has no reference point, none whatsoever. And you become your own reference. Point. Yes. Oh, and it grieves my soul. And they use the stories of scripture and of, of, of the fundamentalist church to reinforce this. And I don't think they're being really honest and, and really transparent to the depth of, of reverence and pinpoint accuracy pointing to the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who is, was, and will be the redeemer, sustainer, you know, and, and savior of all things. Yeah. I think it begins with oneness. And when I first discovered identity, 
Because one, I didn't know Christ was in me. That was bizarre. I've been a pastor for 10 years. And, <laughs> and so seriously, I thought he was with me. That's the Baptist way. And so Christ was with me. When I'm bad, he can't be near. When I'm good, he's close. It's like Grover, near, far. Same thing. You know? But in all honesty, yeah, exactly. In all honesty, um, when I discovered union, which is the best kept secret in the Western world, um, that to me becomes the central gospel that this is the reconciliation being declared. Um, because without that, everything else is meism, what I've contributed, my opinions, and my opinions overrule scripture because we can't trust scripture because they're, they're questioning everything so much so that it, it just wipes it off the map of opinion. It's like, we can't do that. It's like today with the viruses, do we, do we knock off smallpox vaccine? Because, oh, we got an opinion issue. No, you can't do that. Uh, there's, there's much more history going on here. And when it's unloving and done with harshness, anger tones, many people are hurt and angry. A lot of teachers, so to speak, they're, they're using angry um, rhetoric. And I see, I don't see Jesus in it anymore. And it's like, wait a minute, are you, you need to heal from your hurts before you start promoting any kind of message of love because it ain't working. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the fundamental flaw in processing all this is that people equate oneness with sameness. Okay. We are one with Christ, but we aren't Christ. Bingo. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And it's like, you know, we're called the bride of Christ. And I think the, the, you know, the marriage is a good, good example of that. You're not awkward for us guys, isn't it? You know, your, your spouse isn't the same as you. She may have your authority. She has you. All right. And she's alongside of you, but she's not you. And you are together joined and you are together one, but you're not the same as each other. You're wonderfully different and wonderfully distinct and wonderfully unique. And I think that uh, these people and, and uh, they, they fall into this thing, kind of get stray from that. And they get to a point of thinking, I am Christ. I am. And, you know, it's the I am teachings. That's what when I first got on the Internet 10 years ago, those were those were what they were called. They've kind of changed now and morphed into other things. I've seen but it I was am, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was I am, I am, I am the I am. Uh, so, no, no, so who's Jesus the focus? Is the I am. Okay, I, I, I somehow in some mystical way am joined with the I am, but it, I'm not the source. And like you said, like you both said, you're a reflection of the I am. Yeah. Yes, yes, but not they. And and really, what I love, what I love is that the other important passage on this, I think, is in Philippians. Uh, which, which I think nails this shut. And it's uh, Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Let me read this. It says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility, who, although being one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, Ouch. but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to su- assume the guise of a servant in that he became like men and was born a human being. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the, it, and, and that's not my favorite version. That's the Amplified. That's the only one I had here, uh, Bible I had in front of me. I, I like other versions of that. The New American Standard is probably the best. What verse is that again? Uh, Philippians 2, 5, starting 5 through 7. Yeah. But, you know, basically that Jesus did not have this same mind where Paul here says we need to have the same mind that Jesus had, that though he he was he was more equal. And he was God. He was the fullness of God. And even he didn't say he was God, you know, equality with God. I mean, now he went around. He taught it so that you could see that he was God. But if we were honest, he didn't go around beating people over the head with his he called himself the son of Adam. He called himself the son of man. Yeah, I think he may have called himself the son of a uh, man and son of David more than he called David. himself the son of God. David. Let me throw this up from the Passion Translation. This will be kind of pleasant. Okay. It says, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. The example, okay? That's big. Let, it, let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as he as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself 
of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant, he became human. Yes. Yes. I yes. love that version. And, and, and I think that if we go back, my spiritual dad always used to, always, he, he used to take that marriage thing from Ephesians and just so allegorize it. But it invites allegory <laughs> it because it says, he's, yeah, he's talking about Christ in the church. But Dewey my, uh, would always talk with us about all being essentially feminine. You know, that, that we are all, that, our, that, that we're feminine, that God is, you know, Jesus is our husband, God. And we are to submit to him that that passage talking about submission, you know, you can is really talking about Christ in the church. It's not really talking about, you know, rules for women to become slaves to their husbands. It's talking about something mystical and it's talking about the church in unity that that Ephesians also talked about where everything is unified. And that's what we all hunger for. And what this is what we don't see. But I don't even know that you can really see it with your eyes. You can only see it with the spirit. But this unity in Christ that we all have, and 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 um, so that the the posture of our soul needs to be essentially feminine. And even if you disagree with it, uh, you know there are many things that that aren't you know that if you take allegories that aren't maybe tasteful and and perfect and perfectly lined up in the physical, but they become something different in the spiritual. It's pointing to something, and I think what it's pointing is that the church, in submission to their husband God, we will receive. He, he, uh, now listen, uh, this is, you know, I've said this before, but this is pretty wild, but you know, the Psalms which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart mm-hmm. that in the Hebrew, that really means become horizontal the way that a wife would become horizontal with her husband and, uh, be pliable horizontal as in laying down and the Lord will give you, he'll impregnate you with the desires of your heart. He'll so be his you. desires anyway. Yeah, and that, oh, that's the definitely point. PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Let, me, let me rabbit trail away real quick. I'm going to put on another translation from what we just okay. read. This is from Philippians in the new um, First Nations version that came out. You, you might like this. Even though creator sets free, Jesus, has always been the same as the great spirit and shared everything equally with him. He did not even think of holding on to this in a selfish way. Instead, he emptied himself, became nothing and gave up all he had. Then having been born as a human being, he took on himself the lowly form of a servant as a true human being. He lowered himself even more by following the guidance of the great spirit. Even when death was waiting for him at the end of the trail, death on a tree, a tree pole, the cross. Amen. So I, I do love it. Yeah, that's really cool. But here's what I'm hearing from what you're saying. There is no tone of submission or giving up from these other variants it's of theology. In fact, it's self-elevating. It's the opposite. Because yep. they're trying to promote a ministry, a name, a reputation, which is the exact opposite of Jesus. And I'm, I'm getting humble just hearing this. It's like, whoa, you know, how many times have we, especially as a pastor, you try to promote your church, grow your church, grow the ministry. I was part of a, uh, I am part of a a ministry, a a Canadian grace ministry, but to promote it, to grow, I have no integrity to be able to do that anymore. If it happens, it happens. It's just a weird thing that's happened the last two years. It's been, I've had to unlearn that because I got humbled and it was the most beautiful gift that was given to me from a crisis. That, that's good. And I, I give you a thought experiment. I was just thinking a minute ago. I said, if, if, if I really thought I was Jesus, if I really thought I was Jesus, okay. Get on the water. I, go in the hospital. And, and, heal them all. Yeah, sure. Sorry. But if I went around preaching about it, I'm yeah. Jesus. I'm Jesus. How many times do you think that I would say I was God? It would be the first thing out of my mouth. It would be the second thing out of my mouth. I would be hitting it left and right with the way that I would process things. And yet there's Jesus. He, he, he has to reveal it without boasting in it, you know, and I'm amazed. And that's why people say, well, he never claims he's God. Sure. He does. He just doesn't come out right and do it in the arrogant, using the arrogant rhetoric we would use. He, he does it by the spirit. He does it gently. He does it by implication. He does it by, he's not jamming anything down anybody's throat. And I, I, even that, that's where his humility is. And, uh, and, and he defers, and the Trinity is always deferring one to another. You know, Father defers to Son, Son, son defers to the Father, Spirit defers to the Son, uh, you know, Son defers to the Spirit. I mean, they're so differential to each other, and yet we're, 
we're so not that in, in with this stuff. It, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's bone on bone. When, when I hear someone start talking about them being God and, uh, you know, that, that everything that God is, they are, and that you can pro, 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 proclaim anything because you're God. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, um, it's Polish? wrong, the tone of it. I like that, that you used tone a minute ago because that, that's really, it's just a, that tone will never get there because of the rhetoric. We've got to get rid of this rancid rhetoric. Well, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't invite the spirit. Yeah, we take something on one side of the aisle like sin and we overemphasize it in the, in the institutional format of the church, right? And it becomes this obstacle that is impossible to overcome and we're so depraved and we, you know, it becomes toxic in a substitutionary penal kind of sense. But then that pendulum, for lack of a better descriptor, swings way over here and then there is no more sin. It doesn't exist. It's all just a myth. That's what the Reformation was about. I mean, goodness right? gracious, look, look around. <laughs> I mean, if we, I'm like Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. I mean, I, I look at that. I, we're talking about the marriage. I'm, I'm blessed to be happily married. And I, I screw up sinning in my own household every single day, let alone outside of the walls of this place at work. I am far from a perfect lover of my wife, of my friends, of my coworkers, I screw it up every single day. And the good news is none of that separates me from the love that is in Christ mm. Jesus. Again, that image of Christ in his life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, that little nugget right there is all of it. That is my reference. And, in, and I don't have to measure up to it. I don't. Before we hit part two, <laughs> let's let's end, end this part with some hope because it sounds it can sound depressing or we're, there's no point. But we're not pointing. Well, that's to, my point. Like, it's not depressing. This The good news is it's it's not an obstacle I can't overcome, but it's mm. also not something that isn't real. Yeah I, yeah, I would say don't become I would say don't become Moses like we talked about, Richard. You know, the Moses of the elite. You've you know, how could you do this to God and me? Like that arrogance, I see, <laughs> I see that in, in these new offshoots. Well, and, and what I like is uh, just, just to uh, reaffirm what Bill said, what's optimistic is, is when we let the nature of Jesus and we see that no person took, took his life for him, he laid it down. Oh, yeah. right. And in his life, there is light and no darkness at all. And John said that was the gospel message in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we got from him and have told you from the beginning that God is light and in him is no darkness. What's more optimistic than that? Because I'm going to tell you what fills this progressive stuff that we're talking about here is darkness. There's darkness. It's dim. Sometimes there's some dim light in there, but it's so dim. It's like being in a cave and you can hardly see. But when you get out and you can breathe the light and we see that, that, that God is light and that no evil comes from his hand and that we were just so goofy to ever think that it did. But we've, we've all been influenced by these hive minds that stretch back to the fourth and fifth century. And uh, but but using Jesus, Jesus, that that's that's wonderful because he is the agent of deliverer. Uh, uh, you know, he's a deliverer of our hope. He's a lifter of our chin. And when we let his nature do that and stop looking to some, I don't know all this other stuff going on out here and looking to ourselves to be the own lifters of our chin. I, if my life's proven anything, I, I can't lift my own chin, right. you know, but Jesus has done it so many times more than I can count, but he's the lifter of our chin. So we look up to the Hills, you know, when, whence our help comes and it comes from him, the, the maker of heaven and earth. So, I mean, I, what's more optimistic than that? Yeah. I was driving home just a night, a, a night or two ago, long, long drive, and it was very heavy clouds. It's only 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. It's not supposed to be this dark. I had to take my sunglasses off. It's just dark. Oh, then I saw uh, the back of a, a big sign about a kilometer mile down the road, and uh, uh, there was sunlight. Suddenly, I, I hit an air an, uh, bright sunlight and it was a sunny sky and I literally stopped like not in my car but in my breathing went wow this is great I felt yeah. so fresh you know revived yeah. from the dark drive I've been on and uh it, it's it's like that if the, if the message isn't giving you light then don't rush to it 
Yes. All right. All right I'm gonna clo- are we gonna close? Close, but I gonna- actually this one I'm gonna close with another yeah. verse because this is the one that resonated with me. I pulled okay. it up, and I, I think it's a good time. It's a uh, First Thessalonians coming right out of the uh, the armor of God. It's coming mm-hmm. right out of that, like immediately. It says verse twelve in uh, chapter five, First Thessalonians. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Someone, some, not everyone. Yeah. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do as good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Mm. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. I love this line. This is one of my favorite lines in scripture. But test them all and hold on to what is good. Mm. Yeah. Hold on to what's good. Hold on to what's good. Yeah. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Love it. Oh my goodness. I've, I've told folks many times when they come to me as pastor, pastor, what should we do? And uh, my number one answer now is, do you have peace about it? Really? Do you have peace about it? And if they have no answer, then I say, decide, trust Jesus to decide in the middle of your, of your crisis, you know? So I I love the idea. Find, find the peace in that, Um, find the hope in it. That was was in that Colossians passage, you know, about making him preeminent in all things. Yeah. And, and peace was right after that, that we walk in his peace. Mm. Anything else? I'm, 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 I, I was just thinking um, to, to try and do another one after this uh, will be really hard because of time. This, this will be our last, the only one we can do today. But if, if we have an add-on of what else was still bugging you or wrestling within this, let, let's wrap this up. Let's give it another 10 minutes or so, if that's okay. Cause yeah, I, sure. yeah, that way we're, yeah. It'll be a little longer for our, our watchers, but um, well, I haven't got time I, I to go to court after. this up maybe into the next one. And, and again, this is all organic, which is nice. Yeah. One of the other things that we talked about this morning, Mike, and I think this kind of plays into it, is judgment. Oh. And I'm kind of transitioning, but I, one of the things you and I were kind of wrestling back and forth with this morning, or not wrestling, but just kind of, it's hard in text, right? Is, is this idea of judgment. And this is something I'm asking slash contributing. And, and I think they tie in because I don't want to necessarily be known as someone who is judging others, right? I'm ju- I do tend to judge systems and, and hive mind and group mind. I see that. I recognize that. We want to call that out. But the point of judgment isn't one of the things that I, a guy I used to listen to a long time ago, he, he really challenged my thinking. He was a radio host. But that, that, you know, this idea of non-judgment is kind of uh, impossible. Exactly. We are judging machines. It's literally we and prejudiceness means to prejudge something. That's all that word means. Right. We're pre we're prejudice machines, too. You know, it's instinctually built into the animalistic nature of humanity. It really is. You walk outside in the safari desert in Africa and you see a big lion you're going to be prejudiced that you're in a dangerous situation, right? You're going to prejudge a situation like that guy wants to eat me. I want to go this way and not this way. And that's a very natural part of how we're wired to work as humans. You know, we do it every single day. We're moving into situations. We're observing all the variables. We are making prejudgments on everything and and making decisions on what we want to do yet, yet. Next, consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously, all the time. So we, judgment is inescapable, right? Well, that plays a big role in this discussion. It is. And, Richard. This, and this judgment that we, we see in Scripture says, don't judge one another. I think it's very necessary to define what that judgment yes. means. Because that judgment is a type of judgment. It's not 
all judgment, right? I want to judge everybody with the righteousness of Christ. That's a judgment, right? Um, what is the measuring stick? What is the scale? What is our mechanism for judging someone? And I think that's really key because judgment is a very broad term. And I, you know, I think it's a transition here, but maybe in the last five, 10 minutes here, when we're talking about people in fundamentalism or we're talking about people who are moving into secularism um, or extreme Gnosticism, I don't want to judge them as humans, but I also need to judge the situation for healthiness for myself and for those whom I love most. Mm. So I'll just, come. there you go. Well, I, I think that's good. And, um, you know, what's, uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes we, maybe could have different words, come up with a fresh vocabulary on the thing, you know, because the word for judgment is crisis. That's right. And if we look at where we get, you know, that's come down to all sorts of things from crisis to criminal. The word criminal comes from that. And the problem with the word judgment is it's been associated with some form of criminal judgment. It's got largely, right. it's got largely the, the roots of it. It is so we're, we're talking about a forensic type of thing that that involves, you know, somebody's got to pay, you know, and um, so it's it's important. You know, we I know the bill would agree that judgment in the spiritual sense would be that that we're cured, that we're curative judgments. God's yeah. judgments are curative. They fix, they reconcile, they rehabilitate. And that's fine. But that's not the way that the word has kind of filtered down into into our understanding. Right. Now, I, I grant you that's a protean concept too. that. And, and, you know, some verses are talking about a specific form of judgment that we're not to do. And others, you know, mention like, well, you know, you shall judge angels, you know, and, and things like that. I mean, it, so uh, but I think the thing to keep in mind is that uh, Deuteronomy 28 is such an incredible passage for both good and evil, light and dark. The first half of it are the blessings wherein if you hear and walk and are led by the Lord your God. These are the blessings that will flow over you, you know. Uh, but then if you don't, if you don't, then the curses start in verse 15. And those curses are, it's like a horror, like a horror story. The Lord shall do this. You know, he shall send burning crotch diseases on you. He shall <laughs> cause you to eat your children. I mean, all these things, the Lord shall delight to give you plagues. The Lord shall delight to crush you says, make you slaves to your enemies to do all these things. Well, we know that that's not Jesus. We know that's not Jesus's nature, but that judgment, I think there's an element of cursing uh, that's involved. And so when we're talking about the judgments that inflict or call down the, the cursings of the law on somebody, that's which include getting the law, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. That, that, that's the type of judging we're not supposed to. We're not to call down wrath on anybody at any time, in any place, or any sort of uh, or any sort of destructive or oppressive uh, activity. And yet when people judge each other, if we're honest, you know, from stoning, uh, I got verbally stoned uh, yesterday by somebody and it was behind the, the back. And I mean, it really, you know, really, it really hurt. Uh, but you know what? Uh, because there was no blessing behind it. There was no, there was no, uh, you know, if, if you guys came to me with something you needed to tell me, even if it was something that, you know, possibly bruised me to hear, I know you both well enough to know that you love me and you come to me in the spirit of, to, to, to try to restore me or reconcile me mm -hmm. and not to call down evil on you, you know, and, and um, that's, we're, we're so poor at that. I mean, Christians, we just bash, you know, we so quickly bash somebody, everybody, anybody who's in my way, you know, type of thing. Oh, you and drive a lot then, I guess. Huh? Uh huh? You drive a lot, I guess. <laughs> that's okay but um you know i i, I think that uh judgment if if i think that's probably the most uh important other than love is the most important word to have a spiritual understanding of we need we need and that you talk about a conference on forgiveness praise god for that we need a conference on judgment you know, what on earth are we doing here? What are we called to do? And and I think part of it, too, is that we posture ourselves like the feminine. OK, because the husband, I mean, if we take at least the way that's being taught in Ephesians, it's it's we're not posh. I'm not making judgments because if Richard, the attorney, starts making judgments, if I'm God and I start making judgments, just watch me judge away. 
I will judge left and right and in the center. I will bash. I will call down wrath. I'll be like Moses striking that rock. How long must God and I put up with you people? You know, I'd be doing that all the time, but that's not what the kind of, you know, that's not the spirit. Whereas if we're feminine, at least using that as an allegory, then, then we're postured to receive from the Lord. And we know his nature is not that. Jesus has revealed that his nature is not that. So we wait for the Lord. How can we bless this situation? How can we uplift this situation? How can we sow hope into this situation? How can we sow love and light into this situation? And that's never going to be by cursing, you know, by cursing someone or calling down wrath. It's just not going to be. You know, it's going it to be, be by, maybe by a gentle rebuke, which I think is one of the other extremes where we've gone so anti-judgment. And I get, I'm trying to be gentle here, but that nothing is on the table to be even admonished or criticized. And I criticize probably the wrong word, but to be gently brought forth as something that's not walking in the love of one another or even the love of self. And so that's the, I guess, you know, not to hijack there, I, you know, you have the extreme judgment, but then we have the, I think there's people that are so scared of judgment and, and judgment in a way that's not measuring it people against the righteousness of Christ, not measure the measuring against them against something that is healthy and producing and anything goes no matter how unhealthy it is. But pe- people will take the, admonish- but people will take the admonishing thing and make themselves the ambassador of admonishing. Absolutely. Right. And it so it's like, wait a minute, we're back in that road with the lions, yeah. right? You, got, you have no, you have no relationship with somebody and you confront them. Well, I'm just, I'm just standing up for the word of God. Well, that's, sit down that's, and shut that's up. Fundamentalist, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, but, but see, really, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, no you. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the, the, the judging should be a laser beam. And, you know, yeah. I think that, what we, what we would correct is a carnal idea or a carnal impulse, not, and, the but person. Yet with, not a person who yeah. is made in the image of God. We're, we're called not to curse. And, and I believe that at least the type of judgment Jesus is talking about is cursing someone, you know, is cursing someone. And I'm not saying calling him a F this or that or whatever, you know, not that kind of cursing It's cursing is calling down wrath on them because that comes from Deuteronomy 28. These are calling down sickness, oppression, depression, destruction of their life, all these things, calling down on them personally, rather than calling this, you know, I don't mind calling. That's what we did earlier with the me, meism. We, we call that idea out, didn't we? That's we my judged point. It. Exactly. We, yeah, we've judged it, but I haven't, we haven't mentioned one person, although we could, <laughs> but we haven't mentioned one person who, who operates in this, because I actually believe that some of the big people that operate in this, Bill and I both know, still love Jesus no matter Absolutely. what they say. Hundred percent agree. So, uh, so, so, so one of the so lang- I'm not, you know, I'm just believing in that and encouraging it and hoping for that. But I will attack the ideas, you know. And, and I that's will what, judge that the was ideas. my whole point behind this was judging the ideas, measuring them against Christ, measure the measuring them against yes. the message and the the, the yes. actions and the behaviors of Jesus. And not measuring them, them against some arbitrary law mm-hmm. that religion has defined. Yes, it's it's hard Perfect. when when somebody comes and con, you know confronts you and uh, benign blinds you in a in a bad way. But I saw this one meme that made so much sense. It says, "Don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't go to for advice." And there's some wisdom to that. Um, but hopefully you've got better friends who will actually speak to you honestly if there's something that needs some correction. It's like the cup. Cup is the issue, not Mike. So the cup has just done something wrong. Then you speak to the cup. Otherwise, we use phrases like, you are full of crap. A phrase like that does not nurture meaningful conversation. You've just called out the identity of the person as crap. And now that's a big mess or other words that are being used. But when you identify the person and speak to identity versus a topic, now we have a a problem. So switching to a topic or the theme or a crisis that has happened, speak to that crisis, not to the identity of the person because the light's in them. Amen. And you know, Jesus did this. I mean, people all the time, especially when they're mad, I used to do it all the time. Well, he called out those Pharisees and called them snakes and call them all this. But you know what? He called out no individual. No. He never called out any individual made in the image I had somebody of God. say, I had somebody say, well, he did call Herod a fox. I said, okay, you can call other people fuzzy with little creatures too. 
Yes. <laughs> and his foxes are smart. Yeah, yeah, it's Fox. It, it's funny, sly. I know. He, <laughs> that was sly. You get to call other people fuzzy woodland creatures all you want. That's there you go. Then there's your line. <laughs> there you go. So back well, to the summary of all of this. Love is the motivation for everything we talk about. Like love. And I Pardon? think that I know we shouldn't even have to say that. I know, but you gotta. But we have to now <laughs> because love is such a again that what what you what's your word, Richard? Your your uh, protean. Protean, there it is, you know, big word. Uh, it's such a protean concept, Christ-like love. And just not, not that we need, but I think it's so important right now to put a pinpoint on what love is because now love's becoming whatever you want it to be. If you're Jesus not. is the definition of love. Absolutely. So from there, everything else. If, it, if the person or the message doesn't look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, if it's not light and if it's darkness, it's not Jesus. Bingo. And if it's not, if it's not making him preeminent, see, this is where people don't want to go. People, if we're honest, (laughs) the ideas that they're conveying don't paint Jesus as their source. They don't need Jesus as their source. They're already their source. They're writing him out of the script. Yeah. I think that is the mother of all bad ideas. Jesus is our only source. He's called himself to be the source. That's what the logos is. He is the nature, the source, the grounding of God. You know, the touch, our touch point with God is Jesus that he might fill all things. That's why we believe in the universalism that, that says that Jesus fills all things. He doesn't empty all things. He doesn't abandon all anything. He, he fills, fills all, all things. All things. Yeah, and, and yet there's going to be a judgment on that word universalism, right? Some lenses are going to say, what, what you're a universalist. I just saw an article come out from Brad Jerzak. And I love the title. Haven't read it yet, but it says why I'm not a universalist, but I sound like one reflections <laughs> on David Bentley Hart's that all shall be saved. That's it. Just the title was like, to me, Brad, if I can be honest, if I'm going to call out a name, this is a name I will call out. This is a person that expresses the gentleness of Jesus. Like I've never seen, like he approaches topics with the gentleness of Jesus. And he's even got a beard. So to me, (laughs) him, him and Paul young, like there's a tone that draws me to what he has to share and makes me want to be believe, believe him. So there to me is a really good example of a person I, I really respect. And again, if we're going to use this tone thing, but since you mentioned universalist, there's somebody bridging a gap in the war between universalists and non-universalists, you know, being wise, like he's a great bringer together of saints. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, those were the two guys I was thinking along with Bill, you know, wondering what people, I was just thinking there's certain people who uh, I wondering what they're thinking when they're up there, you know, uh, being so peaceful in the midst of a conference or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt the Lord whispered to my, you know, to my heart, they're, they're not judging anybody. Ah, there it is. <laughs> they're not judging. Oh, that's good. That was <laughs> and good. So there's all room for all sorts of things. And, and I feel that with Brad, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that he's that way. And I feel it with you guys. I mean, we're not thinking about judging. We're thinking not to judge. We're trying, but they have the right tone. They have, they have a tone that, uh, and Paul, um, you know, I well, Bill's shirt looks funny, but that's not, I'm not judging. <laughs> Those guys are so calm and reserved. I'm the <laughs> screwball. <laughs> <Yeah, that's> a... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have so much fun when we physically get together someday. <laughs> the class clown, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, we got to wrap this up. It's, it's time. What a good and important conversation because I do not think the three of us are not alone in this and people need some hope that there is hope on this journey through deconstruction and all the pendulums that are swinging. Jesus is your center. You don't have to make him center. He is. So listen to the light in you. The voice will make sure. And the voice is power enough, powerful enough to get your attention. That's something we got to remember. Yes. Yes. And he doesn't break broken reeds. You know, he, he's come to fix it. He's come to fix us and that he's the one voice. I posted this yesterday. I said, come draw close to the divine presence. He, he never bites, but boy, do we humans, we, we humans sure do, you know, but, uh, uh, but anyway, when we'll look to look forward to his judgment, because he's just trying to judge That's the exactly. carnal impulses and, and ideas out of us. And judging I like it, yeah, the judging that gets judged, 
the brokenness that has to get broken in us, whatever, however you want to term it, is the stuff that isn't really you anyway. That's right. Yeah. The yeah. great white throne of judgment is not something to fear. Yeah. I like what you just said. He, he's judging judgment. He's judging our judgment, our, our husband. We're trying to be the husband instead of letting him be the husband. And, he, you know, he's judging our judgment with his judgment. But and his it's judgment loving. Like it's all love. Be. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, that was a fun conversation. We'll see what the next one is. I'm going to hit stop now, and then we'll have a, a few moments to chat. All right. Oh, my goodness. I enjoyed that. I hope you did, too. That was it was longer. I forgot to warn you. Um, and it was really good. Great content. Great conversation. Um, let's do some hellos real quick, and then I'm going to get into the comments and some feedback. Um, Karen. Hey, Karen in Texas. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Joy in Guelph. Um, yeah, she was talking about uh, Andre and Marianne Rabe say, uh, we must question our answers. True. And <coughs> we were talking about that at the beginning. Um, I've, I've, I use the phrase, we were given answers, but never allowed to question them growing up. And now we're questioning the answers. So I think that's, that's really cool. Howard in Sorrento, BC. Good morning. Um, Joy says words are important. We can use words, but in conversation, we have to know we both understand those words in the same way. Exactly. If one person decides to redefine the definition of their words and not tell you and then expect you to catch up, it, like to me, it's like this entitled <clears throat> judgment. It's a way of judging the person that you're having a conversation with in a, in a really shameful way. I've had people do that, and yeah, I'll leave that there because I don't want, yeah, I'll leave that alone. But that one, that one's big. <clears throat> uh, big difference, Karen Jones says, big difference between judicial judgment and discernment through restorative mind of Christ. Absolutely true. Yep, you got it. That she, You're right. Um, I want to get uh, to something that was said right at the start. Um, Bill Thrasher was talking about... Um, uh, those people um, that are on this journey and the pendulum goes this way or that and blah, blah, blah. And you heard that, that phrase a couple times in the conversation. I want to um, bring up a, a phrase I keep hearing William Paul Young use, and it's, it's teaching me that my own judging of fellow believers, um, judging those that are part of the tribe that I previously associated myself with, um, or still do whatever. Um, Paul Young says, he used the phrase, those are my people. And for me, my people's coming, uh, from a, um, uh, well, it's, it's from the church world, but when we move beyond or through levels of growth, and not not to be above anyone else, but then judge those that aren't there uh, in a negative way. That they're still we're still connected. If we can't see everyone in Christ, then we're seeing people. Uh, we're, we're creating divisions. We're creating more duality, and that's not what Christ came to do. He came to bring us together, and I thought that was really really cool. Uh, another thing that I thought was really cool, um, Bill Thrasher talked about this again at the very beginning, um, reasons why this journey of, of pendulum swinging, um, people who seem to bounce all over the place. It's almost like that book of James, don't be tossed and blown by every wind and storm of teaching. Right. Um, but he said, people aren't taking the time to contemplate and, uh, um, how would I say it? digest and really think through what they're learning. They're cherry picking and they see a, a really good display of good teaching. Oh, I want that, 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 but never go in deep and process and meditate. Almost every really thoughtful teacher that I've ever come across um, doesn't begin to blurt out uh, something they're learning for the first time. They only begin to talk about it after they have processed it. Um, I think that's important. I, I, I look back now when I first started learning identity and I just mimicked 
um, what my teachers had taught me. And it was good, and I believe most of it still, but uh, the tone, I mimicked the tone of my teacher. And that, that it wasn't authentic, although I believed it. But I also couldn't teach what I didn't believe. So I think this idea of processing and going deeper, if you have something you're growing in, keep processing it. Don't blurt it out. Now, here's the problem with the blurting out. Um, there's almost this jockeying for position uh, of being in the know group, right? Oh, yeah, I've heard that already. And blah, blah, blah. Now you have to sell yourself as, look at what I know about this topic. See, I'm already there. Um, it, it's this competition. It's weird. It's judging. It's just pure judging. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed today's uh, chat. Uh, part two is really good too. So next week we're going to do part two of this. And thank you for taking time to join me today on episode 100 of Still Growing in Grace. And uh, I hope you'll join us next time. If you enjoyed this, share it and comment and uh, we'll catch you next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.